We are going to turn our attention back to the state of American politics now with a man that has been covering it for over 30 years. He is Jack Germond. He's been a political columnist for the Baltimore Sun, the Gannett Bureau Chief in Washington, and a columnist and editor for the late Washington Star. He, of course, uh, appears on the McLaughlin Group. He's appeared on Meet the Press and numerous other television programs. He's the author of the previous best-selling book, Fat Man in the Middle. It is my pleasure to have him here to talk about his newest book, just published by Random House, Fat Man Fed Up, How American Politics Went Bad. Jack Germond, thanks for joining us. I enjoy it. It's good to have you here. Uh, when was it that it started to go so bad? The corrosive atmosphere that permeates American politics today. When did it get this way? It seems to have happened so slowly. We wake up one day and it's a mess. Well, it got, um, it's become sort of increasingly mindless and mechanistic and trivial. Uh, but it's been a gradual process. I began to notice that um, a lot of crazy things happening or unfortunate things happening. In the 80s and late 80s and through the 90s, we kept um, uh, electing people on sort of odd grounds, and um, it was it was you know dealing with odd issues. It, it was uh, it was gradual. It got to the point with me in 2000, I just couldn't hack it anymore. I uh, so I stopped writing a column and wrote this book instead. You talk about, in fact, that even though we're, there have been uh, some bad presidents in the lot, that many of the past presidents we have were much more serious people than the past several that we've had. Well, I thought they were heavier. I thought they were more, uh, you know, issue-connected. And the, uh, the the problem I have is that I thought, you know, the last three presidents, I mean, I think, uh, I thought George H.W. Bush uh, was, vac- was vacuous. He, I thought he wanted the office, but he had nothing he wanted to do with it. I thought Clinton was going to be terrific because he had a lot of good ideas. He was smart. He understood the issues. He was a policy wonk, but he didn't have any discipline. He was so uh, self-disciplined, I mean, so self-absorbed, um, he didn't take advantage of his opportunities. I thought in the second term, for example, he might be able to take the lead in making, getting a permanent solution on Social Security and Medicare because he had the popularity to do it. Instead, you know, he spent his time playing slap and tickle with an intern. And it was really a shame because the the opportunity was great. And then I think that now we have the worst president in my time. I think he's out of his depth and he's put the country in a very unfortunate position in this war. In terms of the responsibility of the media, I mean, you talk about being fed up with the whole thing, and, and, and that's why you decided not to write your column for a while. What What is the responsibility of the press? How much responsibility do they need to take in getting us to where we are right now? I think I think that, you know, there, there's sort of three villains in this piece. One of the, the politicians, to some degree, the voters that don't pay attention, and then the press for failing to um, uh, tell the story in a way that's compelling and um, makes people understand that they need to pay attention. We, uh, we let them get away with, um, uh, the politicians get away with really dumb stuff. And uh, and mostly it's stories that don't have any bearing on uh, the lives of Americans. I mean, I'm think, thinking, for example, a lot of the stories we do now, let's say you know, a month ago, for example, we had a story where everybody was falling all over for four or five days about, did John Kerry throw away his medals or his ribbons uh, in 1970, or both? Who cares? It was 30 years ago. The guy's got a 30-year public policy career, and we're talking about whether he threw away his medals or ribbons. I mean, that's ridiculous. And the, uh, I trace this mostly to television. Television is able, the networks are still the 
prime support uh, source of basic diet people have of uh, political news, and I think they do a bad job. The newspapers, you know, we like people like me. This is a ter- terrible admission, but you know, we, we're writing for a uh, small minority of readers. I but certainly as far back as the Kennedy presidency, there certainly was plenty of writing going on about stylistic issues, about things that might have seemed less than serious public policy issues. The same might be said of, of some of the things that were written during Johnson and Nixon's time. What is what is it that has gotten so much worse about it now? Uh, the, the, the lack of almost any focus on... Uh I mean, this year is different that we have focused on Iraq. We have an issue that you can, will not go away. We're having American kids killed there every day. And this issue is not going to go away. But until this thing happened, the, uh, we were still dealing with things in sort of a surface way and, uh, uh, and, and not um, uh, and oversimplifying everything. That's the real problem is oversimplify issues. Now, the, the president, you know, president is now, he came out yesterday, he gave a speech, and he said the choice was between listening to a madman, Saddam Hussein, and defending America. I decided to defend America. Well, of course, so what, you know? What do we think? Are you going to listen to a madman and defend America? That's not a choice. That's a straw man. And, uh, yeah, it was all over the networks, all three of them, and uh, all over the papers. This is, his, uh, this is his answer. He's going to try to run this campaign by saying he saved America from Saddam Hussein. In fact, Saddam Hussein was no threat to us. He was a bad guy and deserved to be taken down, but he was no threat to us. Why do you think people are, that the public, that voters, never mind the ones that don't even bother to vote at this point, but the ones that do vote, are willing to, to be so disinterested as to you know justify reporters and television giving the most surface coverage? I don't know. That's that's a real puzzle because, the, uh, I mean, a lot of people don't get interested in the campaign. They don't vote. You understand that in a way. I don't understand why if they're going to vote, they don't bother to find out what they're doing. It is that that's the real problem. It just and and the, you know the slogans work. I hate to say that, but it's true. Big lies work, uh, and they they buy this um, this notion. I mean the best thing the president has going for him is the notion that he's going to defend America. The idea that the other guy wouldn't defend America is laughable, but that's the way it works. I mean, it's, it is not a very thoughtful process. I mean, one has to think that if, if you, after covering this stuff for uh, 50 years, are fed up with it, that the American people have got to, uh, who are not as, as dedicated to it and may not be uh, political junkies of the same magnitude, that they've got to be pretty fed up with it. I think a lot of them are, sure. I think that's why they don't vote. I mean, you know, we got a situation in, in the 1996 election, two back. The turnout was, was the lowest since 1924. Now, stop and think about that. Think about the changes in literacy and in sources of information, so-called, since 1924. And that's what happened. That's an extraordinary thing, it seems to me. There's a lot of people saying, the hell with it. You know, I don't care. Uh, they should, you know, they, it's... Um, and these people say it doesn't make any difference who gets elected. Well, if they think that's the case, that was, that was Ralph Nader's line. If that's the case, if they think that Al Gore would have made John Ashcroft the Attorney General, I doubt it. One of the other things that we've seen happen within the body politic, beyond all the aspects we've been talking about, is this tremendous polarization. The way everybody has just moved to their corners, There, there, there is so little serious debate and discussion in the middle. Talk a little about that. 
the, 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 uh, that's a good point. The polarization, the, the intensity of the uh, partisanship and and polarization hostility. You know, it used to be, for example, going back as far as '64, you had these conservative Republicans who were rallying around Barry Gore. They thought the, the moderate Republicans, like Nelson Rockefeller, were wrong on issues. They thought the Democrats were wrong on issues. They didn't think they were murderers. They didn't think they were morally corrupt. Nowadays, there are these accusations of moral, uh, of moral corruption, of, of moral failure, of murder, being murderers, having blood on your hands. If you disagree on social issues with between these uh, two groups, and it is. Um, if you accuse somebody of being morally corrupt, it's very hard to go after work and have a drink together. One of the other things you write about is the way in which politicians, particularly on a national level, have been able to sort of play the media for their own advantage in terms of making it more fun for reporters, more entertaining for reporters. Tell us a little bit about that. It's more a question of what used to be. Uh, the real difference is that it used to be in both parties that... We had uh, we got to know the candidates a lot better. Uh, we went out with them when there wasn't a huge mob, and we had dinner together and or a drink together. And the candidates, politicians didn't have to worry that, that um, if they said something uh, that they might not have said if they hadn't had that second drink, that we, we were going to run to the phone and call it in and make a big cause out of it. We understood these situations were off the record. And it was a, it was a good relationship. We got to know them better, and so we could tell our readers what they were like. And um, when they when they their personality showed itself in other ways, we had, were able to understand it. Nowadays, that's impossible because they don't trust us, and I don't blame them. And the uh, as we have a very uh, sort of arm's length relationship, which uh, doesn't help the the readers at all. How has this filtered down? How has this impacted politics on, on a more local level, on a state level, and a regional level? I see signs. I, I'm not a, you know, I, I, went, I came up through all the chairs and covered it all at all levels. But I haven't lately, obviously. But I do once in a while run, see signs of things filtering down. And they do. Politics is an imitative business. Right. And if, um, if someone succeeds running for president using wild slogans and so forth uh, the guy running for the governor if the governor's going to try it then the guy for the legislature is um, the difference is the amount of attention paid on the presidential candidates they get so much attention paid to them they're watched so carefully that there's a difference in kind in their coverage the others uh, you know you do see you exactly what you do see the signs of, of what happens at the top happening in the middle and down below but that likability factor is such an interesting issue because one, you know, certainly if we look historically, there have been many successful presidents that would not have matched up to the quote-unquote likability factor in American okay. politics today. That's certainly true, but but in this age, different thing. I think we now we expect um, we expect them all to be song and dance men, and they. Uh, I, I'm always talking about how. I'm always irritated. I hear particularly young people saying how boring the candidates are. They run for president, you know. They're not, they're not trying to amuse you. And the um, but you hear this, it is. I think today, I think today is impossible. Jack Germont, his new book just published by Random House is "Fat Man Fed Up: How American Politics Went Bad." 
Jack, I thank you so much for spending time with us. I enjoyed talking to you. All right, you take care. We'll take a break. We'll be right back.